We've been in the, the book of Romans. If you've been with, have you been with us through the book of Romans? Has it been good? Come on. I know Pastor Jeff isn't, isn't here this week. He's in Alaska enjoying himself while I labor for the gospel. No, I'm kidding. He's, they're up with uh, Pastor John um, and Kathy Poisel, and I know uh, Crystal and, her, and, and Bryce are up there as well. They're just helping out, and, um, and we're just so blessed, aren't we? Come on. Can we, I know they're not here, but can we just honor them and just give it up for our pastors? We love our pastors. Um, but like I said, we've been in the book of Romans, and uh, this week, um, I'm, I'm excited I'm excited to, to speak out of the book of, of, of chapter 7, Romans chapter 7. And if you've been in church, like you're like, uh-oh, Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 is like a really confusing uh, portion of Scripture. Um, and I'm excited. I'm going to do my absolute best to break it down for us today. And I'm believing that as we leave here, we're going to be blessed. We're going to be encouraged. We're going to uh, leave here with like a skip in our step. And we're going to feel lighter. And our ice cream's going to taste better. And come on, somebody. And, and we're just going to, it's going to be a good day going to be a good day. That's what I'm believing. I'm believing. Um, I don't have bad news for you this morning. I got good news for you this morning. We don't preach bad news in this church. We preach good news in this church. Um, if you're looking for bad news, I don't really know where to go, but not here. Maybe the news. But if you got a Bible, open up to Romans chapter 7. We're going to start our reading in, in verse 14. And this is um, the words of Paul, verse 14 I don't know if you have it on the screen. I'm going to read it up here. We, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. What a way to start. I love it. You, you pass, <laughs> Stephen, you got through one sentence and you're already interrupting yourself. I know. <laughs> Calm down. But like, I, I just love this statement because like, I don't, when's the last time you were like, I'm really unspiritual. I don't remember the last time like I said that about myself, but I love Paul. He's just honest. He's going to give me, we're going to be really honest in church today. If that's okay with you. He says, he says the law is spiritual, but, but I am unspiritual sold as a slave to sin. I, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. It's a lot of doing. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Anybody relate? For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do want... Sorry. It's hard to read. <laughs> I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, and it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work within me. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work within me waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Paul, will you be nice to yourself? It's going to be okay, buddy. He says, what a wretched man I am. Another translation will say, what a, what a miserable person I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Would you pray with me this morning? 
Jesus, we, we thank you for the minutes and moments that we're about to share, and I, we, we give it to you, God. We give it to you. We say, have your way in this place, and I even just ask that you speak through me in a, in, in a powerful way, God, in a prophetic way. Jesus, I, I thank you, God, that you haven't just given me a word for, for some people. God, you've given me a word for these people. And God, you've given me a word for myself, and I thank you, Jesus, for your work that's happening on the inside of us, and, and we ask that, God, you would, um, you would just make our hearts soft this morning. God, you would open our ears, and I truly mean this. I pray, God, you would open our eyes like we'd never seen before. And we just give you all the glory, God. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise. And Jesus, we thank you that Oklahoma football is back in 34 days. In Jesus' name, all God's people said amen. College football's right around the corner. It's a good time to be alive. Preseason. Next week, nobody cares, okay? College football, we're there. All right, we're moving on. Um, I think, like, can, can we do something today, church? Can we be honest in church? Can, can you not wait till the end of the sermon to get honest? Can you get honest right now? I think if we're being honest, we relate to the words of Paul in Romans chapter 7, right? That a lot of us, if we're being honest, if not all of us are inconsistent. We struggle with consistency. I know for me in my walk with Jesus, sometimes I can be incredibly inconsistent. I mean, there are days where I have confidence and I have peace and I have joy and I have faith and I have belief. And then there are days that are quite the opposite where confidence and peace and joy and belief and faith are not my experience. I go from the most most, most faith-filled, God-believing, come on, God is able, God is at work, God's going to do it, it's going to be amazing, and I get one negative report, and I'm like, God, where are you? What's going on? What's happening? Why is this happening? It's amazing, right, how inconsistent we can be, how fickle we can be, how up and down we can be, the spiritual highs and lows that we experience, is it not? If I asked you to be honest this morning, I asked you some, some questions, I would ask you, how influenced are you by your surroundings and your circumstances? On, not, not on vacation, okay, but I'm talking like on an everyday, average, ordinary, like, like your, your week life. How influenced are you by your surroundings and your circumstances? How influenced are you by, by, by the news? How influenced are you by politics? How influenced are you by... Let me say it this way. How consistent are you when you see how much money you have left in the bank account after you pay the bills? Uh-oh. How consistent are you when the car breaks down? Ah. How, how consistent are you when you find out aliens are real? What? Some of you are like, what is he talking about? Don't worry about it. Here's my stance. Picture it didn't happen, okay? And we're moving on. It didn't happen. Pixar didn't happen. I don't know. Don't worry about it. It's a little bit of cultural context. How, how consistent is your walk with Jesus? Well, not very, if we're being honest. Some of us in here, we're, we're like, honestly, honestly, I, I'm not, I'm just like, I'm tired of trying to be consistent. Like, I'm exhausted trying to keep this thing up. Trying to, trying to be consistent. See, because this thing, like, we don't want people to know we're inconsistent. We want everybody to think we're consistent and we're strong and we're steady, right? That's why when we come into church and somebody's like, hey, how are you doing? You're like, blessed and highly favored. Right? 
but you argue with your wife on the way to church all the way here. It's never happened to me, but it's probably happened to you before. It's okay, we'll pray for you. It's going to be okay, right? And because we so want people to think that we're strong and we're amazing and we're faithful and we're spiritual and, and we're these awesome people who never fail and we never falter, we wear masks in church and we hide behind a false image. But underneath, if you asked, hey, how are you doing? Not so good. Not doing so good. I'm struggling. Because I think, I don't know, Maybe it's like if, if people really found out how inconsistent I was, maybe they think I was a hypocrite. But can I tell you, church, the only thing that makes you a hypocrite is acting like you don't struggle with anything. See, the, see Jesus' conversations with the Pharisees. You know what he, he, call, he calls the Pharisees hypocrites. Why? Because they thought they were good enough. They thought they had it all together. They thought, they thought that within themselves, that, that by keeping the law, they were good and they were elite and they were better than those who were sinful. And I know we can relate today to what Paul is saying in chapter 7 because what he's describing is a sinful nature. It's our sin nature that lives in all of us. He's describing a very real human condition and it's the condition within you and I that is a paradox to who we are. Where we don't do the things that we want to do and we do do the things that we know we shouldn't do. I didn't want to say do-do so I put a pause in there. We do do the things that we, we know we shouldn't do. Has, there any, has anybody ever not done the thing that they wanted to do? Right? Oh, rhetorical question. Of course. Remember January 1st? It's going to be my year. I'm moving forward. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to lose 15 pounds. You gained 15 pounds. It's okay. No shame. Right? We, we do this. I'm going to read more books. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to read my Bible. You go on my Bible app right now. I, I have right now on my Bible reading plan, like I have 25 different Bible reading plans that are all two days in. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's just real. It's just real. And I'm, I'm supposed to be the pastor. Like I, I'm the one up here being honest with you this morning. I'm inconsistent. They're letting this guy preach. Yeah. Better deal with it. And so Hear me, my, my inconsistencies, they discourage me, right? But you know what's really encouraging? Can I encourage you this morning? The fact that this is the Apostle Paul saying this. This is, this is encouraging. This encourages me. Like, like, do you remember when you were in school and you were like in a class or a subject, like it was math, we'll just go with math because everybody hates math, and you were in math class and like it was really difficult and you were struggling and you were frustrated, but then you found out that the smartest person in the class was also struggling and you were like, it's a good day, <laughs> Like, right, you like got a skip in your step. You're like, what's for lunch? You guys want to play basketball today? It's a good day, right? Because what did, you found out you're not alone. You found out maybe there's not something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not dumb if they're struggling. No wonder I'm struggling. This is the Apostle Paul. And he's writing to you and to me was writing to the Roman church, but now to you and to me through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the resume of Paul is really long, right? 
This is the Apostle Paul. He's the greatest apostle who ever lived. He was a pastor. He planted churches. Like, like, like one time he was in prison with Silas and they just started singing. Last thing I'm doing in prison is I'm singing. No, I'm like, get me out of here, God, right? But he's singing. They start singing hymns to God and an earthquake comes and, and it breaks the shackles free. I mean, I could go on and on and on about how amazing Paul is. Paul, Jesus himself knocked him off a donkey. If anybody's going to knock me off a donkey, I want it to be Jesus. Odds are I won't get on a donkey, but if I did, I'd be like, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Speak to me. <laughs> Blind me, Lord, right? No, it's just like, calm down. I was thinking like, maybe if this was Peter, we'd be like, oh, okay, makes sense, makes sense. But no, it's, it's Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul. And I think that before we get encouraged about what Jesus is about to do, I think there's something encouraging about knowing what men and women of the Bible could not do. Are you with me today, church? Like, like Abraham. Abraham lied about his wife after God deemed he was righteous. Noah got drunk after God saved him from the flood. It's in the Bible. Elijah was a prophet, and he struggled with depression and suicidal thoughts. David was a, he, he, he committed murder and adultery after God declared that he was a man after God's own heart. The, the disciples, they fell asleep on Jesus after Jesus washed their feet. Peter saw Jesus walk on water. He walked on water himself. And then he denied Jesus three times. Stephen, why are you telling us this? Because I want you to be encouraged today that, but listen to me, you are not alone in your struggle. That if you, if you struggle today and you're in here, if you've fallen short of the glory of God, can I just say it like this? Welcome to the club. You're not alone. Come on, is anybody thankful that God does not, listen, he doesn't choose us because of our performance. No, God chooses you despite you. God does not look at you and be like, all right, now that you've perfected yourself, I will choose you and use you. No, he chooses you despite you. And Paul gives us this glimpse of the human condition that my convictions, they don't always match up with my character. What I want to do, I don't. The very thing I tell you I'm not going to do, just give me five minutes. But I got good news today, church. I told you I'm bringing good news. Because there is an answer to the inconsistencies and the struggles that we go through. Aren't you glad that, 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 that God doesn't just leave us in our struggles? Aren't you glad that God doesn't just leave us in our inconsistencies? Come on. Aren't you glad that God didn't just save us, but he redeemed us? Aren't you glad that God doesn't just love us, but he loved us too much to leave us in our mess? Aren't you glad? And Paul, he's going to give us the answer Right here at the end of Romans chapter 7, over 40 times, Paul uses a personal pronoun, I, myself, me, my, which is to say that the power that you and I need to overcome our sinful nature is not found within ourselves. He says, what a wretched man I am, who will deliver me? Notice he doesn't say what will deliver me. No, he says, who will deliver me? I need someone greater than myself. The power that we're looking for is not found in more concepts and more principles or trying harder. It's not found within ourselves, friends. It's found by the grace of God. It's found by the power of the Spirit living on the inside of you and me. It's found by Jesus Christ. As Paul will go on to say, who will deliver me? And he says in verse 25, he says, thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yeah. 
I know it's simple, but it's profound, church. The answer is in Jesus. Listen, in the midst of his duplicity that he's going through, he gives us a prescription. He gives us the answer to our struggle. Who on earth is going to save me? The answer is in Jesus Christ who delivers me. What's he saying? He's saying, apart from Jesus, I don't have what it takes. Left to myself, all I have is my flesh. All I have is my sin nature. I'm going to teach on that in a moment if you don't know what I'm talking about. All I have is my sinful. All I do, here's the result of you trying to live in your own power. I don't do what I want to do. And the things I know I should do, or things I know I shouldn't do, I do them anyways. That's the result of you trying to live in your own strength. But thank God. But thank God. But thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus says it like this, apart from me you can do nothing. Ooh, we don't like that verse. Well, you, I feel like I could do something apart from Jesus. Yeah, but something is nothing when it's not connected to Jesus. See, one of the reasons I think that we struggle is because we often connect with God at church, but then we try to walk in our own strength the rest of the week. I've heard preachers say it like this, we get filled up at church and then we leak all week. People are like, yep, that's me. That's what I do. Man, I just try to get as filled up as I can because I'm just going to leak all week. And I hope by next Sunday I still got a little bit left in the tank and then I get a little filling. And Jesus says there's a better way to live. That you don't have to actually live on all these spiritual highs and spiritual lows. That you can actually find a way to live to have a steady, consistent spiritual life. See, I saved up my money a while ago and I bought these awesome headphones. They're Bose headphones. They're like kind of noise canceling. You know, they're expensive. They're really noise canceling. Like if you turn the volume all the way up, they're noise canceling. But they're, they're, they're bows, okay? They're, they're nice. And like, can I tell you what the worst thing is? Is when you get to the gym and you flip on the power to your headphones and it says, battery, 10%. Like, ah, oh, I live five minutes from here. What an inconvenience, right? Exaggerating. But like, that's a terrible feeling. I remember, remember back in the day, some of you were like, I still do this. But like, remember back in the day, like the wired headphones? You know what I mean? Like you didn't have, I, I grew up with the, the iPod, like, right? You didn't ever have to think about the battery of your headphones, right? But now I got to like charge my phone. I got to charge my headphones. I got to charge my watch and I got to charge my iPad and I got to charge, right? It's just like, we're charging. We're always charging. <laughs> and I remember one day I was in the gym and my, my headphones, they died. And I was like, this is the worst. Like working out with music without music is the worst. I don't know how you do it if you do it. Like seriously, tip for working out. Put some good music on that makes you move your body, right? Okay. But like I looked over and there was this like more mature guy than me. I don't know how to say it. Uh, and he... Right? He had the wired headphones. And he was like, he was just on the elliptical. Man, I was just like, I was so jealous. Like, he doesn't have to worry about his headphones dying. I got to go home and charge my headphones and I can come back. What a waste of my time, right? 
I think that a lot of people's spirituality is like my wireless headphones, where we think we're supposed to get charged up and then emptied, charged up and then emptied, charged up and then emptied. But actually, there's a better way to live. There's a better way to be consistent. Instead of getting charged up and then emptied, what if we just stay connected to the source? And that way you can actually last. That way you can actually endure. That way you can actually persevere. That way you don't just have to have continual seasons of surviving. You can actually step into a season of thriving. Come on, somebody. Listen to me. I'm tired of my day. I'm tired of the days of my spirituality where I just get charged up and then I just get emptied, where I just get charged up and then I try to do everything in my own strength. No, I'm trying to remember that I'm not supposed to get charged up or filled up and then do it in my own. No, I'm supposed to stay with Jesus. I'm supposed to walk with him and talk with him and rest in him and abide in him, and remain in him, and stay in him. And he says, i got a better way for you to live. Stay connected to Jesus. Because hear my words today, church. The answer is in Jesus. No, no, no. Not close to Jesus. Not around Jesus. Not mere knowledge about Jesus. In Jesus. In Jesus. And will we ever be perfectly consistent people? Absolutely not. But that's not the goal anyways. No, the goal is Jesus. The goal, listen, we're, I'm not here, we're not doing church so that you can be a better person. I'm, I'm all for that. That's awesome. I want you to grow. But this is not the point of our existence. Our, the point of our existence is Jesus. I'm all for disciplines and habits, but disciplines and habits were never supposed to be the end. They're supposed to be a means to an end. It's about Jesus. It's about Him. It's about him. And I believe, I believe you can grow. I believe that you can overcome with what's been overcoming you. I really do. But friends, can we not let that be the goal of our life? That one, one day I'm going to arrive. And now look at me. Look where I used to be and look where I am now. We talk like this in church all the time. I preached like this before. I don't say it's wrong, but do you hear what I'm saying? I don't want to get to a point in life where I'm just like, look, I've arrived. Because the moment you think you've arrived, you deceived yourself. For you'll never be good enough. Anybody tired of trying to be good enough all the time? Man, I feel like I'm, I feel like, I feel like I'm doing good, and then I open the Bible, or I come to church, and then I'm reminded that there's another thing I'm not doing good. <laughs> Isn't this encouraging? <laughs> well, life is frustrating, I know. Because the point of life is not that you would be a perfect person. The point of life is Jesus. Are you with me today, church? I love this quote by A.W. Tozer, really simple. He says, you are as close to God as you choose to be. Now make no mistake about it, God is close to you. He's closer than your next breath. But are you aware of his presence? Are you aware that he's there all the time? You're as close to God as you choose to be. Before we move on, I, I want to I go backwards into Romans chapter 7, and I want to preach the text, because that's what we're doing we're preaching the text, and I think that Paul says some really important things. And I actually think it's going to help us understand the end of Romans 7 a little better. But it's super important. Paul will say in Romans chapter 6, and if you were here, Pastor Joel did a great job preaching on that. Um, and, and, but he'll say in Romans chapter 6 that we have died to sin, right? 
We've died to sin. This is one of the reasons Romans 7 is so confusing because Romans 6, he's like, we died to sin. You're like, amen, this is awesome. We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace and we've died to sin. So why should we keep on sinning? No, we shouldn't keep on sinning because we died to sin, right? And then you open up Romans chapter 7 and Paul's like, I struggle with sin. You're like, what is going on, right? And it's anytime this, I'm not saying this is like, this is just for me personally, but if you want it, you can take it. But anytime I'm reading scripture and I'm like, hold on, that, 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 that doesn't make any sense. It seems to contradict itself. I hear the voice of the Lord saying, go deeper. There's something deeper there. You know, I actually believe God puts me in positions to be confused sometimes because he wants me to dig and he wants me to spend more time with him. He's like, he's like, I'm going to show you, but I just want to spend more time with you. And so I'm going to like hide it from you for a little bit. It's like, thanks God for tricking me into spending more time with you, right? That's what I need though, right? <laughs> At any time that, that you're confused, you need to dig a little deeper. Spend a little bit more time with the text. And so in Romans chapter 6, Paul says that we've died to sin. But now in Romans chapter 7, he's going to say this. He's going to say, we have died to the law. We have died to the law. And Paul is going to give us an illustration. The way he's going to describe this to us, he's going to use a marriage. And this is what he says. He says, when a person dies, it ends his obligation to the law. Right? It's pretty easy to, to understand. When a person dies, it ends his obligation to the law. And this is what it says in verse 2 through 3. For example, a married couple is bound by the law to remain together until separated by death. But when, when one spouse dies, the other is released from the law of the marriage. So then, if a wife is joined to another man while still married, she commits adultery, right? We, we understand that. But if her husband dies, she is obviously free from the marriage contract and may marry another man without being charged with adultery. What's he saying? Paul's saying that we used to be, in essence, we used to be married to the law. The law is the way that we, that we had relationship with God. It was the way, and we're, I'm going to explain more of that in a second. But it was, it, we used to be married to the law, but now we have died to the law, and we are free to be bound to another. His name is Jesus, by the way. right? We're free to now, right? The Bible will call us the bride of Christ. Men in the room, you got to embrace it. You're a bride. You're like, ah, just embrace it. Jesus is your groom, right? <laughs> Ladies are like, oh, it's so cute. Guys are like, no, I don't get it, right? Some of you are really angry at me right now because I'm calling you a bride. It's okay. It's all right. Calm down. We used to be married to the law. Now we're married to Jesus. We've died to the law. Therefore, we have no more obligation to the law. Right? So we don't actually have to walk in shame anymore. We don't actually have to walk in guilt anymore. We don't actually have to walk in condemnation anymore because the law is not what we answer to. The law is not what we are married to anymore. Well, then what's the point of the law? Well, should we just get rid of it? Like if it's over? Well, no, Paul's going to tell us why it's important. And the, the, the first reason I want to explain, I'm going to try to go quick because this is, I want to get somewhere else. But the law, number one, the law exposes sin. The law exposes sin. And it doesn't just expose sin, it multiplies it. Like I've never heard that before. Check this out. Romans 7, 7 through 8. Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. It was the law that showed me my sin. I would have never known what coveting, that coveting was wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. Listen to this though. It was through God's commandment that sin was awakened in me and built its base of operation within me to stir up every kind of wrong desire. 
He says this for, in the absence of the law, sin hides dormant. What is he saying? He's saying that since you were born, you had a sin nature on the inside of you. But the moment the law was introduced into your life, sin was awakened because you went, oh, that's wrong? I've been doing that for years, right? Essentially, is what he's saying. I, I, I didn't know coveting was wrong until I saw that the law said it was wrong. And now that I see it's wrong, there's just something in me that wants to do it more, right? Have you ever noticed this? Like you're doing really good in life, and then somebody tells you not to do something, and you're like, I want to do that thing. Like, don't jump off that wall. Don't jump off that building. I really want to jump off the building now. Like, I don't know. I had some weird friends growing up. Some of you are like, what is he talking about? <laughs> Parents in the room, you, you, you know what I'm talking about because you have kids, right? Your kid didn't really want that thing until you told them they probably shouldn't have that thing. And they were like, you're like, I don't think it's a good idea for you to have a phone. All I want's a phone. I just want a phone, right? I remember when I was growing up, like my mom, she, she, would, she would grab me and she would shake me. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Calm down. <laughs> We're just having fun up here, right? <laughs> she would, we'd be getting ready to go to the store and she would be like, now, listen to me. Listen, you're not getting a toy today. No Legos. And I'd be like, I wasn't even thinking about Legos. But now I'm thinking about Legos, right? And so all the way to the store, I'm thinking about how can I convince my mom to get me some Legos? I need some new Legos. That's a good point, mom. I'm almost out of Legos. I've been playing with these for two weeks. I need more. I need more Legos. I need a new Batman set. It's going to be awesome. And so like 20 minutes into, into the grocery shopping, I have come up with a plan and I've come up with a speech. Now, mom, listen, I know you said, and she's like, right, she's going to hit me. No, <laughs> she, mom, listen, I know you said that, that like I can't have the Legos, but like, listen, I'll do the chores. I'll do the dishes. I'll do the trash, right? Just give me some new Legos, please, mom, right? Like I'm getting on my knees and I'm begging. I don't know what it is, church. I think that there's something in our sinful nature that there's a rebellion on the inside of us. And this is why the people of Israel, this is why you and I, we struggle with consistency because on the inside of us, we want to do what's right, but there's a law at work on the inside of us and it wants to do what's wrong. I know what I should do, but I don't do it. I know that I shouldn't eat the candy bar, but I do it because it tastes good. I mean, man, I remember growing up, and like, I didn't grow up in a really strict Christian home, thank God. And and, and but but I remember growing up in communities, and I had a lot of friends and, and families that like they were like had really strict Christian homes. And if that's you, like, no judgment, honestly, this is just my experience. Um, but I remember like like Halloween, right? You already know where I'm going with this. We, we, you don't call it Halloween; we call it Hallelujah Day, right? Right? We don't we don't do trick or treating because tricks are from the devil. Amen. We do trunk or treating, right? Just put a little spin on it, right? It's the same thing, man. Except I'm not dressing up as Batman. I'm dressing up as Bartholomew. Everybody's like, who are you? I'm like, I'm Bartholomew. They're like, who? One of the disciples. You, I'm trying to represent. Nobody gives Bartholomew the time of day, man. It's like, wait, was he a disciple? Yeah, he was a disciple, Right? Trunk or treating. I'm pretty sure my first slow dance was to our God is an awesome God. 
right? You know that song, right? Come on. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom. Let me hear you. They know the song, Ruth. Can we, can we add the tag next Sunday? Okay. Just feel like the chorus, the chorus is, well, it's awesome. See what I did there? We're just having fun up here. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get to my point. But like, if you grew up in church, do you remember like the weird verses? I'm not talking about like the Michael W. Smith version. I'm talking about Rich Mullins. Rich Mullins, anybody? Right? Yeah. Try dancing to that. And the Lord wasn't joking when he kicked him out of Eden. It wasn't for nothing that he shed his blood. What? How am I supposed to dance to this? Like today, you're like, okay, we're going to have a dance party into Christian music. You're like, oh, no, no, no problem. We got Lecrae and we got, help me out, other guys, <laughs> other rappers, hip hop. Yeah. Uh, but back in the day, we, it, was, it was different. It was different. And I remember growing up, why are you telling us this? Because I remember growing up and always, there's always something on the inside of me that just wanted to push back. It always wanted to push back. Trunk or treat? Like I'm, I'm glad, I'm thankful that my parents let us go trick or treating. And like, what's up with going trick or treating at 4 p.m.? Can we talk about? Is this not the? This isn't the space. Okay, let's move on. Different time. I remember though pushing back on all the rules, and I was lucky that I didn't have parents that tried to stick me in all those rules. And listen, I'm not against rules. I'm against boundaries and guidelines, and I understand them, and there's importance in some of them. But like. There's something on the inside of us that wants to rebel. In fact, the, the, the hip-hop group NWA, the, the, they put out their first album, and, and it was the first time they ever put a parental advisory sticker on the album. And they actually thought it was going to hurt the sales. But no, it increased the sales. Why? Because the law, it exposes sin. And once it exposes sin, it increases the sin. That's why in church, preaching the law is not going to produce a relationship with Jesus. It'll produce religion, but religion at best is just behavior modification. And I'm telling you what, when life gets difficult, when life gets dark, when life gets really hard and really heavy, behavior modification will not keep you. You're going to need something deeper than that. You're going to need something stronger than that. You're going to need something greater than that. Come on, am I preaching to anybody today? You're going to need a relationship with Jesus. The law, it didn't encourage obedience. Instead, it magnified disobedience. That's number one. Number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. The law directs me to God. The law directs me to God. See, the law is not the vehicle to God. It's the directions to God. I need you to see this. This is really important. This is why we don't just do away with the law. Because, listen to me, the law, it's not the vehicle to God. It's the directions to God. We see the law in itself is not bad. It's, it's a direction. It's pointing you. It's showing you how sinful that you are and that you are in need of the mercy of God. You're saying I'm, the law shows and exposes sin and you have one option. You realize, you come to the end of yourself and you realize I can't do this in my own strength. That's what's happening with the, the Apostle Paul. The law, he's talking about how the law exposes sin. And then he says, he says, left to myself, I realize that I don't do what I know I should do and I do do what I know I shouldn't do because that's, that's what's happening on the inside of me. And, and what the law does is it turns me and it directs me to God and it says, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ. 
I'm in need of the mercy of God. Anybody in here, you're in need of the mercy of God. Come on. Is anybody in here in need of the grace of God? Is anybody in need of the forgiveness of God each and every single day? I'm in need of the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness of our Savior. And Paul will say that sin is no longer your master in Romans 6. He says, for you're not under the law, you're under grace. You're under grace. See, to be under the law means that I have to do something to get God. But to be under grace means that God has done something to get me. So understand, the law doesn't, it doesn't get us to God but it puts us in the direction of God. And we go, I'm in need of a Savior. I can't do this on my own. Which is the whole point. See, we know this is what we've been learning throughout our, the entire book of Romans so far, that there's this word justification. Right? What does justification mean? It's, it's as if you've never sinned before. By justification, we, we get justification by putting our faith in Jesus. And when we put our faith in Jesus, Romans 3 says that we have been made righteous with God. Meaning, we, have, we now have right standing with God because of our faith in Jesus. We take on the resume of Jesus. Right? He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. We traded places. It's justification. But there's another word that we need, church, and this is word sanctification. I know Pentecostals love it. We love sanctification. So I'm going to preach sanctification because we need sanctification. What is sanctification? Well, sanctification is the daily continual process of becoming more like Jesus. See, justification is immediate. Oh, but sanctification is a process. Justification is my eternal standing with God, but sanctification is my earthly standing with others. See, we all have struggles in our life, but this word that brings me hope is this word process. Sanctification is a process. If you came to church last Sunday and you gave your life to Jesus, you would be justified in one moment. You will spend eternity with God, but every day after that here on earth, you have to go through the process of sanctification. Why? Because we don't serve a drive-through God. God doesn't work at Sonic. That was weird. No, no, no. The work that God wants to do in you is deep and it takes time. And this is what I've learned is that we don't really like process when we're the ones who have to go through the process. Oh, but we like process when other people have to go through process. Let me prove it to you. Aren't you glad that doctors have to go through a process to become a doctor? Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? You get, you're getting heart surgery, and you go into the doctor's office and they prep you and you put the gown on and you're like, I'm ready, I'm kind of nervous, but I'm ready. And the doctor comes in with the chart and he's like, how you doing? And you're like, good, 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 good. He's like, um, well, I can't really read this thing yet, but um, what are we doing for you? <laughs> you're like, doc, doc, we're heart surgery. What do, you, what do you mean, what are we doing for me? Don't you know who I am? He's like, well, yeah, well, well I'm excited because I got my degree online last night and this is going to be fun. Scalpel! You're like, no, you're running out of that place, right? Lisa and I, my, my beautiful wife, by the way, next month, we're going to celebrate 10 years of marriage. It's awesome. I'm amazing. Um, just follow my lead. No, I'm kidding. She's amazing. She's my best friend. 
and I love her. Um, but we were coming home from vacation, and we like landed in Spokane, and and we had like the best. Um, what do you call him? The the person who talks over the the person. Yeah, okay. We had the best one of those. Um, a t- flight attendant. There we go. Um, and and he was like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Spokane. And I was like, ah, oh, we're here, we're home. And and he goes, I just wanted to let you know that was our pilot's first landing ever. And we were like, what? <laughs> and he was like. I'm kidding, of course. (laughs) Listen, I was just thankful that he didn't say it at the beginning of the flight. He said it at the end of the flight. I was like, oh, okay, right? Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to get on an airplane with somebody who's never flown a plane before. I want to get on an airplane with somebody who's gone through the process of becoming a pilot. See, we understand that life is full of process. We appreciate process when we really think about it. How come we think our relationship with Jesus is any different? It's a process. Some of us in this room, if we're being honest, we're going, listen, I, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm not getting better. I feel like I keep coming to church. I keep reading my Bible. I keep praying. And I keep hearing the preacher talk about like how you should do this and how you should do that. But if I'm being honest, I feel like I'm still struggling. I feel like I'm still being inconsistent. I feel like I'm still angry. I feel like I'm still dealing with lust. I feel like I'm still dealing with greed. I feel like I'm still dealing with all these things, dealing with these same struggles. And honestly, man, honestly, maybe I'm just not cut out for this Christianity thing. Maybe I'm just not supposed to be a part of this church thing. Has anybody ever thought, is there something wrong with me? Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm not saved. Can I, If you put your faith in Jesus, by the way, you're saved. But this is real. Maybe I should find another path because I'm struggling. And I just felt like I had a word for somebody today that feels stuck. I just feel like I have a word for somebody today that feels like nothing's happening. Can I encourage you? Stay connected to Jesus. And if you stay connected to Jesus, something is going to happen. And even when you don't think God is working, friend, God is working. And if you're tempted to move on from Jesus, I'm comforted by the words of Jesus in John 15. Remain in me. Stay in me. Abide in me. He's working. He's doing something. I felt like this was for somebody today. Don't quit in the midst of process. Sanctification is a process. And just because you're not perfect today does not mean that God is not perfecting you right this minute. Your struggle has a purpose. I don't know who this is for. I feel like this is for somebody. Don't don't give up. God is working in you. The sanctification process, it, it takes time. Sometimes we, we, we get this weird theology and we think God's just going to take it away. Nope. It's a process. There's a process. And hear me today. Sometimes it doesn't just take time. Sometimes it doesn't just take prayer and Bible reading and tithing and coming to church. Sometimes it takes a storm. Sometimes it takes a trial. Sometimes it takes a battle. Sometimes it takes a struggle to purify you. You know what I learned about God is God is so passionate about who we're becoming. He will use anything and everything to bring about our, our, our sanctification. He'll use anything and everything to transform our lives. Like, you know, the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, the part of us that reflects God the most, by the way, is our character. The fruit of the spirit, you know how the fruit of the spirit is produced? Well, by the spirit of God, of course, because it's his spirit, it's his fruit. 
But do you know the context that the, that the fruit of the Spirit is producing? It's, it's producing the, the context that is, complete, that is the complete opposite to what is natural. Meaning that I don't learn to love until I have the opportunity to hate. I don't learn joy until I have the opportunity to be in despair. I don't learn patience until I have the opportunity to get stuck behind somebody going 35 miles an hour all the way to Coeur d'Alene and I can't pass because all the roads are too windy. Notice my language though. It's an opportunity. You have to choose. I don't learn to be gentle when everybody's being nice to me. No, I learn, I learn gentleness when I have the opportunity to clap back. And if you know me, you know I like to clap back. What is clap back? I don't know. The kids are saying it these days. God will use failure and he'll use success. He'll use the people that you don't like and he'll use the people that you do like. He'll use the bad boss or he'll use the good boss. He will use trials and storms and your mistakes and your missteps and your mess and he will use battles and he will use struggles. Listen to me. He'll use that breakup. He'll use your marriage. Can I get a witness on a Sunday morning? I love my wife. He'll use your kids. He'll use your kids, man. He'll use difficult people. I love Bob Goff. He says, he says, we should love difficult people because we are one. This came to me. It's not my notes. It's the Holy Spirit. Must have been for somebody. We're moving on. He, listen to me. He'll use anything. He'll even use your loneliness. I don't know who that's for. But like, man, all throughout Scripture, God uses battles to mold and shape his people and to bring them to places he wants to bring them to. Give me a biblical character and I'll give you their battle. Like, I was thinking about this the other day, but like in the promised land, God is going to move in the Israelites' life. He's going to give them what he promised. But I don't know if you've noticed this, but the, 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 the Israelites, they fight six battles in the wilderness. But in the promised land, Joshua's going to lead the Israelites to fight 13 battles. What is going on? How am I fighting more battles in the promised land than I am in the wilderness? What is happening? What it tells me is that the promised land and God's purpose for my life is not void of struggle. It's not void of battles. It's not void of opposition. It's not void of storms. Jesus called them tribulations. Paul called it a good fight. Peter calls it a fiery furnace that makes our faith genuine. James called it trials. Call it what you want. It does the same thing. It brings a sanctification to your soul. And I feel like it's comforting for some people in the room today because you're in a fight right now and you feel like God has left you. You feel like God has abandoned you. You wonder what's wrong with you. But I came to tell some people today that maybe, maybe, maybe your struggle is actually just evidence that God is moving in your life, that God is working in your life, that God is transforming you and molding you and shaping you and sanctifying you. Man, I used to think that like when you win a battle, like you don't have to fight any more battles. Like you win the battle and then you're like, we did it. Woo! No, no, no. In the kingdom of God, you win a battle to get promoted to the next battle. That's another sermon for another time. I guess my question for you today, church, is what are you praying away that God is trying to use to sanctify you? 
What are you praying away that God is trying to use to sanctify you? Honestly, everything. Man, everything. Worship team, can you help me close? Everything. Any inconvenience that comes into my life. Jesus, help. Where are you? Why is this happening? Right? Is anybody anybody like me? I'm praying God's going to open our eyes today that we would see our struggle in a way we've never seen our struggle before. Can I declare this over you today? Your struggle has purpose. Listen to me. I'm not saying that God wants you to be in sin. What I am saying is that God wants you to run to Him in sin. The moment you sin, run to God. The moment you mess up, man, run to God. I know it doesn't feel genuine. I know it feels like you made the mistake, but I'm telling you, there's another law at work within you, church, and it's your sin nature. And I know that we're noble and we, we, we get plans to be good and we get plans to try harder and we make plans to be better. But what happens in this life of inconsistencies? What happens in our human nature? We don't do what we know we should do and we do the things that we know we shouldn't do. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. I do what I... I don't do what I want to do and I end up doing what I shouldn't do, but thank God, thank God, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Can I just ask you a question this morning? I'm done. I'm, I'm closing. What would it look like if Christians everywhere, how about just Christians in our church? What would it look like, Christian? What would it look like, Jesus follower, if you stop being so consumed and distracted by yourself? Can I say this? If you stop being so consumed and distracted with everybody else, uh-oh, and you started being consumed and distracted by Jesus. Romans 8:5 says that those who are led by the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Can I read that one more time? Those who are led by the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. That word set literally means preoccupied. When you and I are born again, our lives are supposed to be preoccupied with Jesus. Listen, the whole goal of Paul in this letter to the Roman church is to get our eyes off of ourselves because there's no power within ourselves and to get our eyes onto Jesus because that's where the power is. That's where the power is, church. I said that's where the power is. To become preoccupied with Jesus. To become distracted by Jesus. To become consumed by Jesus. Colossians, the most Christ-centered book in all the Bible, tells us that all things are by Him. All things are through Him. All things are for Him. All things are unto Him. That He's the focal point. That He's the focus. That He's the passion. That He's the point of it all. Friends, He's the point of it all. From Genesis to Revelation, He's the point of it all. He's the point of this whole sermon he's the point of this whole life it's about Jesus if I come in here and I get on this stage and I just give you another principle and I attach the name to Jesus to it you're gonna go out there and you're just gonna end in more frustration and you're gonna go what's wrong with me the answer's not in yourself the answer's not in more principles and concepts I'm for them get some habits get some some discipline but run to Jesus because thank God the answer is in him
The answer is in Jesus. The answer is in Jesus. And I hold on to hope today. Will you stand to your feet with me? I hold on to hope today because Paul says in Romans in Philippians 2.13 that it's God working in you. God working in you. He gives you the desire and he gives you the power to do what pleases him. Can I tell you your job? Surrender. Can we surrender to Jesus today? Come on, the result of me being preoccupied with myself is frustration. The result of me being preoccupied with Jesus is doing what pleases him. That's what it is. It's God. It's God who gives me the focus. It's God who gives me the energy. It's God who gives me the passion. It's God who gives me not just the have to, but the want to. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Can I give you some old school preaching as we close today? If you're trying to break an addiction, if you're trying to break a sin habit, stop focusing on your addiction. Stop focusing on your habit. Make your habit God and he'll break your habit. Make God your addiction and he'll break your addiction. Stop focusing on where you're broken and start focusing on how beautiful and amazing and wonderful and kind and faithful. Come on, can we lift our hands all over this place? And amazing and big and powerful our God is. Listen to me, he's the answer. So we're gonna sing about him. That's what we're gonna do today. That's how we're gonna respond. We're just gonna sing and we're gonna put our eyes back on Jesus. I just came to tell some people today, take your eyes off yourself. Put your eyes on Jesus. Come on, let's sing this today. Let's sing this today. Thank you, Jesus, that you're the answer. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name stands upon the moon. We look to you, Jesus. Above all the roads and dominions, all powers and positions, your name stands upon the moon. Oh, Jesus, your name. Bible says there is now therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus I know it's frustrating because you wanted more principles and you want more steps and you want more concepts but Paul doesn't give us principles he gives us a position he doesn't give us principles he gives us a person did you hear me in Jesus 
in Jesus. And there's this verse in, in 1 John. I just want to leave us with it. 1 John. My dear children, I, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, I wish he would have said, when you do sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. And he is Jesus Christ, the only one who is truly righteous. God, we thank you so much for your, your spirit that's at work within us. I just pray, God, you would do what I can't do right now, God. You would move throughout this room. God, you would touch us. I thank you that, God, there's, there's no words that I have to say that's going to change people. It's your spirit that changes people. And I pray, God, right now, all over this room, you're opening eyes. You're softening hearts. God, you're giving us a new perspective. Jesus, you're actually at work within us. And I thank you that there's some people that have been discouraged. They think, God, because I'm not perfect, that I don't measure up. God, I thank you that you're at work right now, perfecting him this very minute. And we thank you that sanctification is a process. So God, I pray as we go home today, we would remember that, that you're with us. And I, I just pray we would remember this quote, that you are as close to God as you choose to be. But I thank you, Jesus as that voice of condemnation comes to try to remind us who we once were. God, we can speak back to it and say, I don't have to listen to you anymore. I have no obligation to the law. My obligation is to Jesus and he is the only righteous one there ever was and ever will be. And I'm hidden in Christ. He chose you, church. He chose you, church. He looks at you this morning. He chooses you. If you're in this room today as we close and you want to surrender your life to this Jesus he's the only one that can satisfy your soul friend he's the only one that can make you righteous he's the only one he is the truth he is the life he is the way he is the door he is the gate he is the good shepherd he is the vine it's all about Jesus you know your your, your role in life is to surrender your life to Jesus and say, God, have your way. So if there's anybody in the room today, I want you to be bold. And you're saying, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I would love to pray for you if you lift your hand. Anybody in this room, thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for your salvation. God, we thank you for what you're doing. And I pray a blessing on every person in this room. I pray, I pray a blessing, God, I pray your favor. Pray your anointing, Jesus, as we go back to the workplace, as we go to the grocery store. I pray your anointing would come. And Jesus, we give you all the honor, all the glory, all the praise. Come on, can you say amen? Can we give God a big shout of praise? Come on, give him a shout of praise. He's worthy.